When you sent me packing down Green River Valley I knew that if you couldn't then Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. So the boys of summer are back. It's the week of July 4th, and not only will I be playing drums with three bands on July 4th at the annual Jamestown, Colorado Fourth of July festival. I'll also be checking baseball box scores all day, like I do just about every day in the summer. Uh, some people might have a portrait of Jesus on their nightstands. Um, I know my grandparents did, but um, I have a portrait of Roberto Clemente. Um, I'm a writer and a musician, and I guess a podcaster now, but I'm also a ridiculous baseball fan. My brother uh, texted me from Pittsburgh, where I'm from, a few months ago, and um, he told me about this band, The Baseball Project, um, with these two great singer-songwriters and members of REM, um, and I was hooked instantly. I, I still haven't seen The Baseball Project live, but their records are just awesome. Um, Grand Salami Time, the new album by The Baseball Project, is of course about baseball um, in myriad ways. Um, you can really hear those signature REM harmonies and jangly guitars, you know, because Mike Mills and Peter Buck from REM are in The Baseball Project. But um, this is really a, a rockin' garage band that writes and plays songs about baseball. You might think that's only appealing to hardcore baseball fans, but I love language and stories as much as I love music and baseball. And uh, there are so many baseball stories that are like folk tales and so many weird baseball terms like um, the yips or the screwball or triple shy or a journeyman or a, a, a sacrifice, you know, that you'll never hear anywhere else. And not even the best poet or James Joyce could make up. Um, I learned words like perennial and penultimate just by growing up a baseball fan in Pittsburgh, listening to Lanny Frateri on the radio. Um, anyway, singer and guitarist Steve Wynn, one of the masterminds of the baseball project, is my guest today on Mile High Stash. Steve is a massive baseball fan, and he's um, a California native. You might know from the Dream Syndicate and his uh, solo work. Um, Steve is married to the baseball project's drummer, Linda, and he helped come up with the baseball project idea the night that R.E.M. was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, and it sounds like it was it was a madcap idea over many beers that worked out great. Uh, the baseball project plays punky songs about baseball, which, you know, I consider baseball an endless American resource for stories and vocabulary, too. Uh, 
Steve put so much thought into his Mile High Stash choices, and I love that. Um, he thought of it as more of an, of an island situation, picking music to fight off zombies with coconuts, too. And uh, when Steve likened what um, Oakland A's owner John Fisher is doing to the A's and their fans to a, uh, a zombie apocalypse, I knew this was my kind of guy. Um, the baseball project... As much as it's a garage rock band that plays songs about baseball and baseball history, it's a guitar band. And uh, today's episode of My Life Stash featuring Steve Wynn of The Baseball Project is generously sponsored by the fantastic uh, Colorado guitar shop Moncton Guitars in Broomfield, right in between Boulder and Denver. Um, a lot of people say cheap, fast, and good, you got to pick two. But I can honestly say from experience that Moncton Guitars does incredibly um, amazing uh, guitar repairs and setups that are fast and inexpensive. Uh, all right, here's my chat with Steve Wynn of The Baseball Project. We'll talk on the other side. Moncton Guitars has been selling vintage guitars, amps, and effects for 31 years and now has a brick-and-mortar shop conveniently located between Denver and Boulder, just off Highway 36 in Broomfield. In addition to a fine selection of vintage and used gear, Moncton Guitars also carries new equipment from major brands like Epiphone, Guild, and Marshall, along with a great selection of Colorado-built instruments. Moncton also offers accessories, lessons, and inexpensive but expert repairs and setups. So check out MonctonGuitars.com today for more info or just stop by. That's M-O-N-K-T-O-N Guitars in Broomfield. So, Steve, are you originally from Los Angeles? Born and raised in L.A., lived there for the first half of my life and moved to New York City 30 years ago and yeah. lived here ever since. So I'm guessing that you were a Dodgers fan growing up. No, it's, no? Very, it's very complicated. No, it's funny. That's a funny story. Um, I became one over the years, but um, when I was growing up in the 70s, I was primarily a rock and roll fan and, you know, into the, you know, pretty, you know, it's like the the wilder stuff like The Who and, and Roxy Music and things like that. And, of course, The Stones and you know, and, and so being into kind of counterculture type things, the 70s Dodgers rubbed me the wrong way. That mm. kind of that whole Steve Garvey, Ron Say, Bill Russell. It was the most white bread team. And mm. it just didn't it wasn't fun to me. So I was more of a fan of, of course, the A's here. I can see it. I see oh, your yeah. jersey and also um of the Reds, strangely enough, who just seemed like teams with more personality pizzazz. I just couldn't get behind, you know, I couldn't get behind a team that just had so little personality. Your songs certainly um, capture the characters of baseball. And I think some people wonder, you know, you know, when they start dating someone and they find out that they're really, really into baseball, like Fever Pitch, the, you know, that movie, they just think it's boring. It's the same thing over and over. But, you know, yeah. your songs really capture the characters and the stories of baseball. When did you discover that... Um, you know, there was such intrigue and there were these weird stories like Doc Ellis throwing at everybody who he saw or even, you know, 10 cent beer night is an awesome baseball story, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, disco demolition, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a baseball fan, and you know, growing up, I was a baseball fanatic and actually a sports writer um, in my my teenage years. So mm -hmm. I was always looking for the great story. And baseball, you know, I mean, every sport has great stories, of course, but baseball has most of them because it's really of all the team sports, the sport that's most focused on the individual. You know, yeah. I was, you know, like I say, baseball is the only, really the only team sport where you can excel or fail irregardless of your teammates. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're up at bat, you're up at bat. When you're on the mound, you're on the mound. Of course, if you got a lousy fielding team behind you, it's not going to get you too far. But really, it's like, it's really a game of the individual and baseball known some really pretty eccentric individuals over the years. So it just, it was made for a band like ours. And, and for the longest time before the baseball project formed, I had the idea of writing songs about baseball, but to be honest, I get ideas like that all the time and mm. often don't follow through because if I did, I'd probably make 20 records a year. Yeah. Um, but I had that in the back of my mind. And um, I was at, I guess, 2008, the year REM got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They had a big party here in New York City. And um, Peter Buck invited me to the party and I went there and I hung out with Scott McCoy for the first time, which is strange because we have so many friends in common. But we never actually hung out till that night. And we had a few drinks and we were the last to leave the party because, hey, free drinks and free food so we're we're holding at the bar at the end of the night and talking about this and that and suddenly the conversation turns to baseball and I'm like oh my god you're a fan too and we of course off to the races talking about baseball and i think i said at some point you know i i always wanted to make a record about baseball and scott said me too mm -hmm. and we just figured well first of all we found our you know our partner or our collaborator and also we had to make a record together or else the other guy might steal the idea before yeah. we got to it <laughs> so we were we were off and running and you know, it's amazing on the first album how so many of the songs were stories we'd saved up. Like I always wanted to write a song about um, Kurt Flood, for example, and, and about Fernando Valenzuela and mm -hmm. about Harvey Haddix was a big one I always wanted to write about. And he had his as well, Willie Mays and, you know, um, and um, well, Black Jack McDowell's story he had about that. And so the record came really easily because like mm -hmm. you said, it's just, there's just so many, so many great stories. Yeah. But I'm sure yeah. we'll never run out. Right. Exactly. Well, baseball is still happening too. So they're making new stories new stories it's risky and we do write about current players but it's always risky because when you write about a current player it's very likely whatever you're saying will be obsolete by the time the record comes out case in point there's a song on the new record called the all or nothings that scott wrote about the all or nothings the guys who just hit home runs walk and strike out mm -hmm. and he um one of the players he gets on of many in that song is joey gallo who's oh, having yeah. a great year right now so you know you gotta <laughs> gotta watch out with that stuff yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure by the time the record comes out, Joey will sink to his normal pattern of, you know, right. batting 180 and hitting 20 home runs. That is one of the fascinating things about baseball, especially as a hardcore Pirates fan, is is that um, it doesn't matter what you do for a week or even a month, you know, kind of who you are as a player over 162 games is going to. It's going to come out. Come out. Yeah, it's, it's true though. Well, look at the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates had that great start. And, oh, incredible! Yeah, I mean, a little, little rough patch right now, but hopefully they'll keep it going. We'll see. I'm actually I mean, going to a, I'm going to a Pirates game. Um, um, my wife Linda, who's also the drummer of the band. Yeah. Um, it's her birthday next month, and this is you know what a baseball nutty couple we are for her birthday. I'm taking her to Pittsburgh to see a Pirates game. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They might not have the best team, you know, but I I really think that that stadium and that and that view is just like no other it's it's amazing agreed and that's why i'm taking her actually we played there right across the river on the open field with the baseball project like 10 years ago something like that and 
Mike and Scott and I went to the game and Linda had plans to meet a friend. And I said to her, I'm so bummed you didn't go. It's the most beautiful park I've ever seen. So we've been yeah. planning to go back the longest time and we're finally going to do it. Are you going to stop by the Clemente Museum in Lawrenceville? We've been we've been there. We were really lucky enough. We we went to um we had we had a show actually a different time we went there. We played at the Club Cafe um, yeah. on some tour, and um the mayor of Pittsburgh. Um, I'm spacing his name. The, the the cool the cool. I think he's not the mayor anymore. Um, um yeah. Um, uh, oh my gosh, totally heroic guy and um Peduto. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. He's a big fan. He came to the gig. Oh and wow. So we talked to him and all of a sudden somebody was there and said well you guys are all together i want to take you after the gig to the, to the clemente museum so there we were with the mayor and a few fans and and the whole baseball project at midnight getting a private tour at the clemente museum and having a glass of wine at the little wine bar downstairs it was it was, it was almost like we, we were dreaming it was a per Fantastic. perfect perfect night yeah <laughs> you you, you've been there right i have not i go home once every few years and and I haven't been able to make an appointment yet, you know, cause you have to kind of make an appointment, but that is something that I'm really excited to do someday. Yeah. You should. It's fantastic. Yeah. I have made pilgrimages, numerous <laughs> pilgrimages now to San Juan and Carolina to see baseball down there and see the Clemente uh, statues and, and other things down there. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, that, yeah, yeah. That'd be amazing. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Did you play baseball? When you're growing up, no. In fact, of the members of the band, I'm the least athletic. I mean, I, I can I can throw the ball around, but I was never on any kind of team. I was a sports writer. You know, those yeah. who those who can't do write sports, I think is a cliche, <laughs> and that's true in my case. But yeah. I'm in a band, pretty good athletes, but not, but uh, not me. As you got into playing rock and roll, you know, because I hope that, that people listening, you know, look up your extensive career before the baseball project too, but um, as you started being in bands, did you see the parallels of of the um, camaraderie and teamwork? And even, you know, one of the parallels that I see as as um, a touring drummer, as, as well as um, oh. um, a baseball player on Wednesday nights in Boulder is is box scores as well. I see a set list as a box score, too. I, I just think there's there's so many parallels. So many. You're right. I'm drummer. That's great. Yes. Yeah. Obviously appreciate drummers. Um, I, um, the, yes, many, I mean, for one thing, you're right. I think the reason so many musicians like baseball is that it's very stat driven, you know, and so is music, yeah. you know, you can debate, you know, the best all time team, the same way you can the best five best league guitarists of all yeah. time or five records to take on a desert Island. I mean, that's, that's, it's the two things are very, you know, very close in that way. And also, you know, as far as being a, being a rock and roll touring band, the first single on the new album is a song called Journeyman that I I, I wrote um, with with Peter Buck, yeah. and the lyrics are they're about obviously journeyman left handed relief pitcher, but the same story could be people like us who've been in bands for forty years and just mm -hmm. go and play gigs and go to town to town, and it's you know every every night's a new city, very similar things. So I think that yeah, they're they're definitely even if I can't maybe you know throw a ball 100 miles an hour or you know, have my exit velocity is very low but yeah. but that all that aside you know there 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 are similarities who knew that two members of REM were that into baseball i mean that that is is just really shocking to me and cool well the truth of the matter is mike is a fanatic mike is a yeah. long time big big fan Braves fan scott 
McCoy is huge fan. Linda and I are huge fans. Peter is more of a theoretical fan. He's not a sports geek, although he really does enjoy it. But he enjoys reading about it. He enjoys the history because he's yeah. an avid reader um, and curious guy. So I think I think from being in the band, he's become more of a fan. But he if there if if there was a baseball quiz on stage after the show, I think Peter would probably bow out. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any response from baseball players, either active players or uh, retired players? You know, a bit here and there. The reality, you know, it would be nice to have more. There have been a few here and there. Um, Blackjack McDowell's a fan. We wrote a song about him. He's become a friend of the band. Lemmy mm -hmm. um, Ardo, um, the lead pitcher for the Red Sox, has become a friend and he's a fan. So there are a few out there. But the truth of the matter is most of our fans in the baseball world are sports writers, executives, and announcers. And we have a lot of fans in that realm of things which is great but the players i guess um you know when i go to get the games i listen to the walk-up music hoping mm -hmm. i'll hear somebody play you know the pixies or the velvet underground i never hear that but i was making notes like if somebody's playing something cool i gotta track that guy down it doesn't happen that often no i mean they used to put out the rockies uh list of walk-up songs before every season and i was always so fascinated with that and lately i gotta say it's been weak it's been either <laughs> reggaeton or like a bro country you know those are like the two those are the two things you know exactly and occasionally like the mets have a like one of the guys in the mets forgot who it is plays skinnered when he comes up whoever that yeah. is um and then and peter alonso i think has rush maybe some crazy like that and that's as good as it gets you know yeah. i got so excited when um hideki when um hideki matsui was with the yankees and he would play either cheap trick or the beatles i was like yeah that's that's in a that's rocking as a scene. What and, would you what would you want as your walk-up song? Yeah, that's always a question. I, and I, I always have a different answer. I, I think I think the go-to I have, I had, I had a good one the other day, but the go-to is always search and destroy by the Stooges. That nice. would be just yeah, you know. That <laughs> mean business when you play that song. <laughs> My team on um Wednesday nights in Boulder, uh we picked uh walk-up songs and sometimes we do play that. And I always go with Motorhead. Uh, uh you know, but we have some great, much more diverse choices than major league players. We have some some Queen and some Madonna and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, I love the uh, walk up in your, in your once a week league. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, this brings us to our ridiculous question of, um, you know, if if there was a zombie apocalypse and you were stranded in in a cabin in the mountains in Colorado and um you know well unfortunately there'd be no baseball to follow unless it was in your oh, yeah. in, in your mind but um what five albums would you bring with you you mean like if i, I could have brought the complete broadcast of vin scully that would that would have been a there you go i could find that <laughs> that would be impossible um this is a great i mean of course i love stuff like this and i was thinking today when i was looking when i was thinking it over um when i was thinking over i was Wondering if your guests ever bring the whole zombie thing into the answer, but I, I didn't. But I'm wondering that, that that's a specific thing. I was thinking, would you need songs to ward off zombies? Which I didn't go that way. Oh, I did have one guy say that he wanted to play Beethoven as battle music, you know, because he would fight the zombies, and and that would be his perfect battle music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, not knowing what zombies like and don't like, I didn't go that direction. But I yeah. did kind of either cheat or think about it way too much, and I chose all box sets and compilations. I figure if I'm on that island for the rest of my life, I don't want to be locked into somebody's idea of 
an album and the album sequence. I was like, oh my God, as much as I love, I don't know, Exile Main Street or Marquee Moon or after a while, I'd be like, I'm tired of this sequence. I don't want to live with this. You know, they don't, I don't yeah. want to live vision of somebody else. So I chose compilation of boxes because I figured that way I can kind of make my new album, my own album, fresh every every day on the island while I'm, you know, fighting yeah. out zombies, right. coconuts. So <laughs> should, should I name them all? Why don't you just name them right off or do you want to kind of to go into one by one? What's the, the general form? I would love a description of each one and what it means to you and wh why you chose it, you know? Okay, I started with the the, the biggest cheat of all because it's like a, like a 15 cd 20 cd box set and it's chuck berry's any old way you choose it which came out on bear family a couple of years ago which is one of my favorite records in my collection is the complete studio recordings of chuck berry oh fantastic like it was a gift from linda for my birthday one year and i just love it because you know you, we all know the chuck berry hits and even kind of the some of the deep cuts but this has everything yeah. and just show a great songwriter he was and how he was prolific and actually really good in the 60s um just mm. you know you know, I mean, obviously, when he came out of prison with um, No Particular Place to Go and Nadine, I mean, two of his best songs, you never can tell. That was great. But he kind of kept going under the radar um, all the way through. So just, yeah, I'd be, you know, I guess Chuck, having Chuck, the complete Chuck Berry would mean I could reinvent a an idealized version of America that he put forth. But I figured there would be, I could nostalgically just sift through his stories and his um his tales. Fantastic. That's the first that keep me busy for a while. Yeah, maybe zombies are scared of Chuck Berry. I'm not sure because, <laughs> but he should be. <laughs> he was tough. By the way, there's a great biography about um 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 Chuck Berry that just came out. Really, really great, written by R.J. Smith, and I recommend it um, entirely. One of the best rock books I've ever read. Really oh, good, nice. really check good. it out. It came out in the last year. Um, the second would be um one of the records that changed my life is Nuggets, the Lenny K compilation. Oh yeah, yeah, and. I would be greedily take the one that came out this year on record store day because it has more more nuggets i think it's five five discs and i don't have a copy oh, wow. yet get that but um the original is fine too that's the record that when it, i i discovered that record when i was my first year of college and did not know i think any of the songs maybe i knew pushing too hard but not many at all and just the idea of bands sounding like bands and you know, kind of you know some of the bands on that record are versions of the Yardbirds or the Stones or the Birds or the Beatles, but they're more raw and more, yeah. more raw but, and more raw, more just kind of, you know, just like trying and, and missing the mark in their own beautiful way. And that became kind of a real touchstone for everything I did from that point on. Baseball Project, we're all huge fans of Garage. So the Nuggets would be right up there. And it's the 50 year anniversary right now. So hmm. to mention that. Yeah. Uh, third one. For the more um, contemplated moments on the island, I went with the Miles Davis, Jack Johnson box set. Um, oh, I, yeah, I've heard the box set. Yeah, you know, you know the album, the Jack Johnson. Oh album? yeah, yeah, it's like a fifty-minute song. It's fantastic. Oh good. Yeah. Well, the box set is great and also not great, but but the way it's not great is fascinating too. A lot of it, it's all the raw material, all the performances yeah. to end up edited together in the perfect way by Teo Macero to be the final record. And a lot of the people who played on the record have said they don't like it because those things weren't meant to be released. They're just right. endless. And the art work, the art is what they did with it. However, if you like the record, it's great to hear all the pieces that went into it. So as a musician, as a music fan, I love hearing all the raw, the raw, and the raw, you know, anybody who played on it who would say that wasn't meant for release 
is crazy because it's all great. I mean, it's come on. It's yeah. like, you know, it's miles. It's Hancock. You know, it's, it's Wayne Shorter. Yeah, Wayne Shorter. It's like, yeah. it's along with the raw goods. So it, that would be another one. Great. Yeah, great. I think it's five or six CD box set. Really killer. That's kind of um, like the Stooges, you know, the Funhouse box set that just has like 20 takes of everything. And and it, it's worth listening to if you love that music and um, you're fascinated with how things came together. It is kind of a deep dive, that one, for sure. Yeah. That's just, they don't they don't vary that much. They've kind of got their things right. like, oh, yeah, a little different that time. But still, hey, I, I think I once spent an entire year listening to Rob, listening to him, um, fun house every day so nice. i can i can i can i can handle plenty of it <laughs> yeah um see number four is king chronicles which um was um do you know that you, I, I see no you i see, don't think so it was a double album compilation of hits and b-sides and rarities that came out on reprise in i'm gonna say the mid-70s and it's um it's a great it might even be out of print now and kink chronicles spelled both well, k for kinks and k for chronicles yeah with great liner notes by the rock critic john mendelson um new york times writer and it's just this kind of in a way i mean i love the kinks growing up i was a fan of the records but it really is what made me a kinks fan because you've got alongside some of the hits all these songs were on you know the dave davies solo songs and um yeah the songs mm -hmm. that by now, if you're a Kings fan, you might know, but at the time, they were all unknown. Just yeah, a great, that's awesome. beautifully. It's one, of those, it's one of the cases of a compilation and a rarity thing actually being great in its own right as a properly sequenced, mm -hmm. realized. So. Some of my favorite Kinks songs are so weird, like Australia. That's one of my favorite Kinks songs. It's just, a, it's, it, it's like an advertisement for a country, you know, and yeah. some bands. But you really have to take a deep dive to um, find out what makes them special. And it's not only the songs you heard on, on the radio growing up, you know? Yeah, you're right. Some bands are really well-serviced by a greatest hits record, and that's all you need. Yeah. And some doesn't do them justice. Yeah. And I think, right, the Kinks is definitely one of those bands, you know, and and, and maybe Chuck Berry's we were talking about earlier, but, you know, yeah. all, you know, all the best that you can say, here are their 12, you know, their top Apple, Spotify, whatever tracks. Right. Like, well, all right, those were all familiar tracks, but to really appreciate them, you got to go down to the things that didn't quite make it. And then you know, you know, what makes them tick. And I was I was in a grocery store the other day, and it's like a mainstream, you know, uh supermarket in Boulder, and they were playing Harry Rag like loud. And I said, I love this. I'm gonna come back to this place. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is fantastic. I'm trying to imagine how that would happen. I don't know, but I mean that's like that's another example of of a song that if you if you have any interest in the kinks, like you have to hear these oddball songs that they did because they're just as good as the most famous ones. Yeah. You know. But I track that one down, even if you yeah. find, you know, a recreation of it. But if you can find the record with the liner notes, the whole thing makes it happen. You know, and and having heard that like maybe when I was fifteen, it just, you know, you know, blew open the doors and made me a a kink completist all yeah. k's included that's great all right um, number five i believe there's one left one was was you know some accomplishment when the also another one of the earlier you know um retrospectives i got into which was the biograph box set by bob dylan yeah and, and i when i heard that I was already a, a dylan fanatic and knew most of the songs but somehow 
I don't know how much thought went into it, but I love the way it's put together because it's kind of all over the map. And it's not obvious choices and not even often his best songs. In, right. in, in, but it's a weird, it's kind of like the, the randomness of how it's thrown together from different eras and different styles suits Bob Dylan because he is just kind of a big mess thrown into a blender and you get, yeah. it, you get it. So I, I kind of I kind of like that as an entry point for Bob Dylan. So, you know, I'd probably pour through that and figure out what is he going on about there? And that would keep me busy for a couple of weeks on the island. And that's another artist that you cannot appreciate, you know, until you listen to the the incredibly weird stuff that didn't end up on on the albums. You know, I, I'm not sure if Moonshiner is on there, but that's one of his greatest recordings. It's not on there. Now, what is that from? Um, it's an old timey song that he uh, uh, made into his own thing, kind of like um, I, I was I was young when I left home. Um, and he recorded Moonshiner when he was probably 21 or 22. And he just, he sounds like he has the, um, you know, the wisdom and, and ex experience and world weariness of an 80 year old frontiersman. You know, it's like, it's, it's a fantastic track. Okay. I'm gonna look that up because I don't know that. So I, I will try to find that. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I love about baseball, you know, that makes me also appreciate what you're doing is all of this language that you don't hear outside of baseball. And it's so great to hear it put to music. Um, is that something that you've thought of a lot is appreciating and utilizing, you know, this language that's so an example I always think of that you never hear outside of baseball that is such a fantastic phrase is a triple shy of the cycle. You would never hear that anywhere else, but what poetic, strange language, you know? Yeah, um, I believe Scott had a song called a triple shy, the, triple shy of the cycle that, that didn't make the album, um, oh, wow. which kind of plays around with how beautiful and ludicrous that, mm -hmm. that and to get very improperly racy and kind of silly and not even, but somebody in a chat group we were in said well i'm, I'm not gonna get him back I can, <laughs> it's 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 but it but he had a really good song kind of he, taking all the things in life that would equate to being a triple shy of the cycle right and, right right yeah i mean i think in the songs we write it's obvious when you listen to baseball project that we're big fans with a long history of being fans and we love working that stuff into the songs mm -hmm. you know we love working in phrases that any fan will know and they feel more you know like like any like well like going back to chuck berry the reason his songs are so great are the details the little yeah. the or phrases he makes up too words he makes up but the way he ties in all this very vivid imagery yeah. it's not just a it's not just a car that pulls up it's not just a cadillac it's a coffee colored cadillac you know and, yeah. and i think baseball we try to do the same thing try to say something where you really feel like you might be listening to a call of a game or you might be um talking to a friend in a bar about baseball and we you know we try to you know now we try to we love bringing those details because that's you know, that's who we are and it's definitely a language i mean if you go into a bar anywhere in america and and you don't have the same politics as somebody or the same religion as somebody if you speak that language of baseball it's definitely it's the same with family too a lot of times there's nothing else to talk about but this but if you speak this language of baseball it's 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 a beautiful way of relating it is 
it is. I'm I'm smiling because um the original lineup of the Dream Syndicate, my old band, the guitarist and I kind of stopped seeing eye to eye. We 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 have been drifted apart. We, we were really good friends who just kind of went different directions. And even at the point towards the end of our working relationship where we were no longer talking and annoyed each one annoyed the other one endlessly, we could still talk about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and, like you i don't like what you say i don't like what you're doing everything you do bugs me but man how about that game last yeah. night <laughs> do you find it harder to write songs about teams that like the rockies you know m might not have uh my pirates have i believe 147 years you know straight of of playing on the north side of pittsburgh you know and, and the rockies are celebrating their 30th year do you have a hard time you know maybe writing songs about a team like the Rays or the Rockies that just, just don't have that depth of, of history? Well, maybe not for that reason, but more because, again, the players we write about are not always, but often in our sweet spot of like 70s and 60s. Yeah, yeah. So the same way our music fan, our, our, the music we love. I mean, when you hear our music, look, there, there's a lot of 70s and 60s in what we do. All of our bands from R.E.M. to Minus Five to Dream Syndicate, it's kind of the, it's not all that we listen to or all that we reference, but it is kind of, yeah, the sweet spot. So the same thing with baseball players. So, yeah, we're writing often about a time. Look, Scott wrote a song about Ed Delahanty, and there was no no Rockies back then. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so we don't write about newer teams as much, although we have, you know, connections with each of those teams. Great Rockies story, by the way. We, um we and this which this should be a song is we played at Coors Field about 10 years ago we were on tour and they, um they asked us to come play before the game on the party deck mm -hmm. um on Todd Helton weekend and the weekend they're going to retire his number and it was a big deal you know they said come on out you guys play on the party deck at four o'clock play till five o'clock um you can have free beers and then put your gear away and you can watch the game it's like yeah. perfect VIP tickets, you're gonna get the whole deal, the 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 lounge, whatever, all all the perks. Like, well, count us in. So we played the gig, really fun. They broadcast the whole thing on the big screen out there, and we're mm -hmm. we're having a ball. finish, pack up our gear, get it all in the van, and ready to watch a baseball game. And we get a um a, um the the our liaison with the team approached and said, um, bit of a problem. There's not gonna be a game. Oh wow. There'd been sewage failure in the stadium. Oh god. And the game was called off. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that happening. I mean, they had a sold out crowd there. Everyone had to go home. Oh, and Lord. The upside was we got to see the game. We had a night out the next night. We got to see the game yeah. the next night. But I, um, that would be, a, I, that's the kind of fight about the night, you know, the <laughs> the night, the night, the night the Colorado plumbing backed up or something like that. <laughs> I thought stuff like that only happened at the Coliseum in Oakland. You know, that's a, that's a normal sort of occurrence. Yeah. Now they have a possum who's living in one of the TV booths. Do you know about that? I haven't heard about that. Oh, it's it's incredible. So um about two weeks into this <laughs> current season, um uh, the visiting TV guys, I, I think it was the Mets guys, uh, they were told, you know, that that they can't go in the visitors TV booth and they would have to go in this this, you know, smaller little room with a window. And they said, "Why?" And they they said, "Well, there was a possum there." in the off season and we didn't really do anything about it. And so now it's, it's the possums home and it <laughs> smells so bad and is so full of his, uh, 
his droppings and it's just his now insane that's that's great <laughs> um which brings me to my next question actually you have a song that's called we are the oakland a's so what are you going to do if they're the the vegas a's i see there you go i guess we get i guess we'll be singing on this year because we got to get it while we can that's scott's yeah. song great song scott is a um a's fan yeah. and giants and mariners fan it's complicated um yeah good question i mean that's that's the thing. It's like, will we still sing that one? We're not going to change it to where the Las Vegas A's. That's for sure. Yeah, that yeah. One, really sad. Kind of, kind of a yeah. bummer. I just, I just watched that Reggie Jackson documentary, which is great. Um, have you seen it? No. Mm. Fantastic. And you know, it really does. When you watch, well, I watched that maybe the week before Vita Blue died, so I had a lot of A's nostalgia happening yeah. last month. Just those were great teams, a great era, and it's sad to see that they're well, that they're leaving in the. 50 people show up in every game now, whatever it is. It's just a, it's, it's just too bad. It's so much like the movie Major League. It, it's almost like the owner watched that movie and said, I, I want to yeah. do that. You know, the Oakland A's are how I fell in love with baseball, even though I'm from Pittsburgh. You know, when I was playing Little League, uh, I don't know, I, I played for eight years or so. And, and when I started, I was six. And around that time was Ricky Henderson, Carney Lansford. Uh, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire. I remember the whole lineup. I just loved them. And I didn't even have a concept of where Oakland was. I just knew that these guys were amazing and they were such such characters. You know, Dave Stewart, yeah. <laughs> the Death Stare. And in my 20s, I lived in San Francisco and it just aligned uh, with the Moneyball years. And, I, and actually, the last game that's the climax of the Moneyball film was probably my second or third A's game um, when it, uh, it, it culminated with the 20 wins in a row. And, and there's something about having a horrible hunk of concrete in the middle of an industrial nothing, you know, that is also the only reason anybody goes there is to watch baseball. And, and, and there's also some, romance in that you know because a lot of the new parks <laughs> they're amazing cathedrals but sometimes it it feels like a lot of people are just there to be entertained by the atmosphere sure. and, and not necessarily the game you know so to see those fans in oakland lose their team especially since they already lost the warriors and the raiders you know it's it's pretty sad yeah it is <laughs> i mean I have a friend who's in a band, um, great Bay Area band called Rain Parade. I don't know if you know them, but, but um, he's yeah. a singer of that. And he always would talk about how great it was. Conversely, what you're saying is that for 400 bucks a year, he could have season tickets and yeah. it came with a discount on beer. And oh my God, 400 mm -hmm. tickets would might buy you a Yankee, a pair of Yankees tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was jealous. That, that's the upside, I guess, of being a fan of a team like that. But it's, it, it is, it is sad. And I can't, you know, look, um, I don't want to knock Vegas. In fact, the bass player, the dream singer lives in Las Vegas and has turned me on to a lot of the, lot of the cool things mm -hmm. about the city that are not, you know, you know, but all things only a local would know. So it's very yeah. cool, but it doesn't feel like, let's just say a lot of things can go wrong with that. I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm completely baffled by the fact, and I guess you'll know where I stand on this issue, that Pete Rose is not in the hall of fame mm -hmm. yet. Every one baseball now is for gambling. Yeah, and I yeah, the same thing. I know not gambling on your own team or gambling on baseball, and it's a cardinal rule. But what a hip, hip you know, what a lot of hip, hypocrisy in that. Yeah, to say one the major 
rule, unbreakable rule of baseball is no gambling. All right. But if you're a fan, gamble away, ruin your life, destroy your, <laughs> lose your house and your family and your, your, your car and whatever else in your job, but gamble away. It's, it's a little crazy. And having a team in Vegas, I mean, forget it. That's crazy. Well, they still they still don't really have a viable site. You know, they're saying that now it's going to be right on the strip, like on a corner yeah. of the Tropicana site, and that first of all doesn't seem like enough space for a, a major league baseball stadium. And then second, it's like if you really were really into baseball, you know, and wanted to take your family to a game, where are you going to park? what's it going to be like so they still have to figure it out yeah yeah it's, it, seems, it seems very and in the meantime i guess the a's will just keep being lousy because they won't put any money to the team so as long yep. as they'll be like you know zombie hey back to the yeah. zombies <laughs> uh kind of the last thing i want to ask you is 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 just about you know um, you're going to play a lot of shows this year it sounds like and you have a new record coming out um that's really exciting um what's it like to tour as you know a baseball themed band and who are the fans that come to the shows what's the atmosphere like what's well, funny i mean because you know of course we all have our we have a lot of history in the band between mm-hmm. all bands it's a, it's a huge list and all those bands we've been in especially obviously rem but all the bands we've been in have a lot of fans come with the territory but what's happened over the years is the baseball project has its own fans and it's almost like you know people should, well, you know, not quite Rocky Horror Picture Show esque, but people do show up dressed for action. There'll be yeah. a lot of baseball jerseys and caps in the audience, and people, you know, get really get into that aspect of the band. That, that's a fun thing. And being, you know, look, like I said, four of the five members of the band are baseball geeks, so when we're on tour. It's a very different way of touring, where we will, whenever possible, do sound check the first four or five innings of a game hmm. and get back to walk on stage. And that's that's, you know, that's idea of fun. So we do that. We um, a very different touring. And very different club situation than most bands, and we have, we have fun with that. We'll we'll generally hang out to the show and sign merch and talk to people. And it's you know you know typically when you're a band signing merch at the table afterwards, they'll talk about all kinds of things, but you know people you're talking to in the cities. But at the baseball merch booth, it's pretty much like a post game show for whatever's yeah. happening in a league that night. It's, 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 it's or or people will give us you know scores of games happening while we're on stage while we're yeah. playing. It's like hey hey, <laughs> Yankees just lost. Tough luck. Are they thanks thanks buddy. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, One last thing that just popped in my head. Um, have you written any songs yet about, um, you know, your feelings on the rule changes, you know, like the ghost runner and extra innings and things like that? No, it, it would have been great. That's the thing I think we were thinking about when we made this record. Is that we knew, bear in mind, we made the record last May, so we knew they were coming. But we hadn't had them, seen them implemented. Um, it would, we actually did something um, maybe... I don't know, early early on the band after our um, band's career, after our second album, we did a song every month for ESPN. It became right. end up being an, EP, an LP called um, The Broadside Ballads. And we, for the duration of the season, we would, we kind of gave ourselves a rule of we would put up a new song that had to be written, recorded, and released within one week, keeping it current. We had a lot of fun mm-hmm. that year current events. And it would be fun doing that right now. And of course, if we did the all these the rule changes would, would would play into it. But I can tell you, I think everyone in the band is pretty united as fans of the pitch clock, fans of larger bases, um, fan, fans of uh, uh, fans of the no shift, and mm-hmm. we're all 
anti ghost runner too. So yeah. that's kind of what about the DH? Where do you stand on that? I've grown to be okay with it. I I don't. I was sad when the National League adopted it because I enjoyed still seeing pitchers hitting. Mm -hmm. And back there were some, you know, obviously what Kershaw and Degrom and a few other. Yeah. Bonnie, of course, echoes that saying. But you know, I I I don't know. I got mixed feelings about it. I I've I've come I've come around as a person who grew up in a town. Well, the Angels sort of, but um, being a in a National League city. I didn't, I didn't love it, but it's part of the game now. So I've, I've come around to that. Yeah. I like I it better it. than, it's better than the uh, ghost runner thing. I'm, it doesn't feel like uh, a major league thing to me. It, it feels, um, it made sense when the pandemic was happening and you kind of just wanted to get things over with and get a game in, you know, but mm-hmm now that there aren't capacity limits at games and restrictions like that i i really feel like they should bring back that mystique that the game could go on forever you know that that's one of my favorite things about baseball is you never know when it would end absolutely absolutely and it's just you know with, with, with i mean i'm sure i'm saying things you already would feel as well but the pitch clock and larger bases and and banning the shift are kind of to bring, helping to bring the game back to what it was. Yeah, it's not yeah. crazy. You've never heard it before. It's just basically to correct things got out of hand. Yeah. The ghost um, completely, it's like changing the game entirely. And 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 you know, it's it's just not that's not the way. Like you say, it takes away some of the possible infinity of the game itself. And also, it's a whole different strategy. What do you? You know, it messes with. Now, I, I say it messes with stats, but they did a good job of somehow. I guess the ghost runner doesn't affect the pitcher's ERA. I've never put that. Oh, really? I think they, that was my first reaction. Like, well, that's going to mess up all the stats, but I think they have it built in where the ghost runner is not credited to the pitcher in the innings. So, but still, you're having run score that wouldn't score otherwise. I don't know. Not a fan. Fighting the, you know, being against the DH would be like, you know, being against electric guitars saying, man, you know, yeah. music has been. Get over it. That's the way it is. <laughs> the next time I go to a game, I'm, I'm going to shout out Judas. You know, when the, when the DH comes up in a National League town, you know. Right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I'm, I'm excited um, uh, for the next baseball project show in Colorado. I will absolutely come by and talk baseball at the merch table. That'd be great. It'd be really fun to hang with you. And I hope we do it. Like I say, right now, there's nothing planned. We, I know we want to get there. So hopefully by the end of the year or early next year, we'll... Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. We are, we are the core we're the curse of Coors Field. So maybe we can come back and have another game canceled again. We're the, yeah. maybe <laughs> we have back since then. No, it's a great stadium. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um fun talking to you. Um I'm reclining night mode now, but uh, yeah. but <laughs> it's been really fun. Thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. That was Steve Wynn of The Baseball Project and me talking about music and baseball and the great Americana that comes with folk heroes like Doc Ellis and Reggie Jackson and even you, Steve Blass, you and your yips. Uh, Check out the new Baseball Project album, Grand Salami Time, and check them out on tour everywhere. Check out the Jamestown 4th of July celebration this week if you're in Colorado 
as well. Um, that's been going on up in Jamestown for, I don't know, 140 years. Um, I'll be playing drums up there with um, Clay Rose of Gasoline Lollipops and Rolling Harvest and Katie Farmer, um, otherwise known as Kate Farmer. Um, and probably watching out for Anvil Bombs up there too. Uh, see you next Monday, as usual, for another episode of Mile High Stash. Leave a review on Apple Podcast if you can, because it really does help. God bless America. Uh, God help America. We really need it. God bless Andrew McCutcheon.